welcome back. It's Dauber Prospects Radio, episode number 60 for today, August 7th. It is the official dog days of summer for the NHL, but the fantasy hockey and the prospects beat marches on. There's things to talk about. So let's start off by just doing a little reminder that if you haven't already picked up a copy, uh, not sure what you're waiting for, go out and uh, purchase the Dauber Prospects Fantasy Report. It's available now. And it's a fantastic piece of work, as always. It's chop full of fantasy hockey tidbits and nuggets and sleepers. It's a little bit different than the magazines you might find on the newsstand. Uh, I find those useful as well. I didn't contribute to it at all this year for the first time in a while, but uh, it's still a fantastic guide. I have a copy, and I've poured over it, and uh, there's lots of useful information in there. So make sure you have a copy of that. Uh, another shout out, uh, Cam Robinson was able to be a guest on NHL Fantasy on Ice, the NHL Network um, fantasy hockey podcast hosted by Pete Jensen. He had Cam on talking prospects on the last episode, so make sure you go ahead and subscribe to that podcast. If you like this one, of course you'll like that one. Um, and then I also wanted to just let you know, uh, EP Ringside's been doing some really great stuff. Uh and J.D. Burke has taken over there, and I talked about that on the previous episode. Uh, this summer, he's been doing an organizational rankings. That's uh, excellent stuff. He's releasing about an article a day on that. you got to check that out. He's also um, live in uh, the Ivan Halinka tournament right now. So if you don't follow him on Twitter, make sure you do, J.D. Burke. And uh, check out his uh, day one, day two, and ongoing scouting reports from Halinka talking about what players you want to you want to watch. Um, I'll talk about a few players. I haven't watched as much of the tournament as he has. Um, so most of my information is just basically coming off the stats. So for more detailed, make sure you uh, follow him and our own Dauber Prospects, Yoki Nevalainen. He's, uh, he's right into it as well, uh, giving out lots of great reports and updates on that. On Dauber Prospects, you want to make sure that you're coming in every day because we've got a new article up each day on the summer series. The 31 and 31 carries on. I spoke about it on the last episode in July. We're carrying on into August now. So the July reports, in case you missed your teams or all of them, they were a, a review of free agency, movement, and the draft. And now in August, we're taking a look at it's kind of an organizational prospect breakdown as well. We look at who is graduating players and prospects that are owned by teams that are, are graduating out of junior or coming over from Europe, turning pro, players who will be going from pro into the NHL perhaps, uh, risers and fallers, and then a top organizational prospect ranking for each team. And uh, I believe we're on about Chicago by now, so I guess Colorado and Columbus will be coming up in the next couple of days. Fantastic stuff. Um, our writers put a lot of work into them, so uh, they're, they're great material. Make sure you read them. Uh, okay, so the first couple of things I want to talk about on today's episode, uh, I'm going to go over uh, something that I, an idea that I stole from the Dauber Guide, actually, and that is the waiver exemption. So I'm not sure how familiar everyone is with how waivers work, but players are waiver exempt, um, and there's some criteria that goes into it that... Um, I'm not sure about, but basically, if you want to figure out which wa players are waiver exempt or not, uh, our good friends at Cap Friendly do a really good job of that. If you just go to uh, their team page that they play for, you'll see a little um, indication by their name that indicates if they're waiver exempt or not. 
And if they have that waiver exemption, it means that the team can call them up and send them down to their minor league roster and their major league roster without having to expose them to waivers. It's a certain number of game played or seasons as a pro that dictate whether or not you're you're waiver exempt or not. And then how this becomes really relevant to fantasy hockey is if you have a player on your prospect bench and this season he's becoming waiver exempt, it means that he has to make the team out of training camp to avoid going on waivers. And if he doesn't make the team, he'll go on waivers, and then he has another chance at making the NHL on another team if he gets claimed by waivers. So that's good news. The bad news is if he gets sent down and clears waivers, in order for them to call him back up, he needs to go through waivers again. So teams are usually pretty reluctant to do that unless they're uh, an injury exemption or something like that. Uh, so I'm going to start there. Uh, then coming up, I'm going to talk a little bit about the World Junior Summer Showcase and a little bit about the Halinka. And then I have three more interviews, uh, four more interviews, actually, I should, should say, from the NHL draft um, two months ago now. So I got to get these episodes, or these interviews out on this episode or they're going to become too dated. So I'm really pleased to be saying that I'll be having uh, guest interviews from the aforementioned J.D. Burke from Elite Prospects today. Uh, he'll be followed by uh, two of Off the Post podcasts contributors, um, Mike Agello. Uh, he'll be talking to you, uh, to me, about Toronto Maple Leafs prospects. Uh, he'll know him from covering the Maple Leafs for Hockey Buzz. And I also had a chance to catch up with Anthony Mingioni. He writes for Center Ice Philly. He is the host of Off the Post podcast. Uh, so he and I had a chance to catch up and talk about Philadelphia Flyers prospects. And also Derek Numer. He is a writer for Defending Big D and Future Considerations Hockey. He and I had a short conversation about what the Dallas Stars prospect depth looks like. So we'll be talking elite prospects, Toronto Maple Leafs, Philadelphia Flyers, and Dallas Stars prospects and interviews at the end. First things first, though, as I mentioned, the waiver exemption players. So all I did was went through um, our cap-friendly website and uh, went through team by team and took a look at the players who are on the roster or off the roster and they're now waiver exempt. Uh, so as I broke down, these are players who are either going to stick with the team or, or, or not. Um, and I think these players have a better chance of making it in the NHL this year uh, than not. So that's why they made my list. And uh, let's get to it. So starting alphabetically, I just went through. I have about a, uh, 10 to a dozen players here. So the first one's Connor Garland. He is waiver, not waiver exempt anymore. He's 72% fan track zoned. He had a bit of a breakout season last year uh, where he scored a whole bunch of points. And I believe he is uh, looking at it's his job to lose. Uh, the next player on the list, Calgary Flames, Andrew Mangiapane. He has uh, 60% Fantrax ownership. He split time last year between the AHL and Calgary and finished the season with the Flames. And uh, he was able to produce offense at the NHL level. And I do not believe that the Flames will want to expose him through waivers. He is going to be a full-time NHLer on Calgary. Uh, I guess this question is, 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 can he score his way into a top six role or will he be in a bottom six? Uh, that remains to be seen, but another Calgary Flames player is uh, defenseman Rasmus Anderson. He's 76% fan tracks owned. Uh, again, a player that split time in the season last year between the NHL and AHL, and I'm fairly confident that uh, he's made the team. Uh, switching positions to goaltender, Pavel Francouz 
Dauber and I talked about him on uh, the episode a few episodes ago where Dauber joined me, and he's 62% Fantrax owned. He's going to be the backup goalie in Colorado behind Philip Grubauer. So, you know, it's not like he's behind an established Vesna winning goalie there. So Pavel Francouz in Colorado is a team that's trending up pretty fast with their top line. Uh, and some of the offseason moves that they made, I think that's going to pan out for them too. So I think Pavel Francouz is an underrated, underowned goaltender. Uh, next player belongs to the Detroit Red Wings, and it is the older brother and lesser known Svechnikov, Evgeny Svechnikov. He is 76% fan tracks owned and spent most of last season in the minors. Uh, so he's a player that I think Detroit should give an opportunity to. Uh, he's a player I think that would have a very good probability of being claimed on waivers should he be exposed. Uh, so I think Detroit's going to do give him every opportunity to make the team. Uh, so it just remains a question of what can he do with the opportunity if if uh, if he's presented with it. Uh, here's a really good one for Roto Leagues. Jace Haraluk, Florida Panthers, only 55% owned, and he played a lot in the NHL last season. He looked good. He provides a lot of hits and greasy stats. Uh, friend of the podcast, Daniel Negreanu, when he was on a very earlier episode, he spoke very highly of him. He's a player that he's been waiting long and hard for to make his roster, and I think, Daniel, the payoff time is, uh, is just around the corner for you here. This is the season. I hope you still own him. Uh, you're gonna. It's a player that you love, and having him on your fantasy roster when he's filling, you know, your shots, your goals, your hits, all those stats categories for you. Um, that's it's gonna be a fun own. Uh, next two players on the list belong to the New York Islanders, and I talked about this these two on a previous episode too. They're both restricted free agents, but they'll be uh, should be waiver exempt as well once they sign. Uh, Michael Dal Cole and Josh Hosang from the Islanders are 60 and 73% owned respectively. I believe Dal Cole has a better chance of making the team. He seems more like a, a Lula Morello player to me than Josh Hosang does. And I think what Josh Hosang might be praying for right now is trade, change of scenery. Um, in fact, he might even get claimed on waivers. This is a player who I could see the Islanders putting on waivers and another team snapping him up and giving him a shot, hoping that he can land on his feet in a new situation. Next player is only 16% owned, so there's a lot of ownership opportunity here, but the upside is not so high. A uh, player I really like and I've liked for a long time is Nick Paul of the Ottawa Senators. He came on really, really hot at the end of the season last year playing in the AHL with the Belleville Senators, and he's had a number of cups of coffee in the NHL, never really been able to really do anything with it, and I don't see him getting out of a bottom six role in the NHL should he even make the team but look at this as a, a medium reward and extremely low risk player um, if you are able to you know draft him in the late pick in your fantasy draft or add him as a free agent if he doesn't make the team right away and he clears waivers um, don't count on him you can you can cut bait on him but if he makes it then hey man you've got yourself a, a very affordable NHL roster player in a very deep pool situation uh, moving on to the Philadelphia Flyers, there may be a number of you that have been sitting on this player on your prospect pool for a long time, Samuel Morin. And I had an opportunity to uh, just chance uh, came into my day job work. So Alan McCauley, former NHL player, and I were just kind of chit-chatting, talking hockey. I recognized him, of course. 
told him I was a big hockey fan and yada, yada, yada. Asked him what he was doing now. And he is a pro scout for the Philadelphia Flyers. And we talked about a number of their players. And one that I was interested in hearing what he had to say was with Samuel Morin. Um, and I said, you know, he's a player that other teams don't like to play against. He's big, he's mean, not the greatest skater, not a lot of um, offensive upside for fantasy hockey. But if you're in a bangers and match league, keep it Carson, uh, then this is a player that uh, will have some value for you. And uh, I can tell you that he is going to get every opportunity to make the team because Macaulay was just glowing about what a great guy he is and that the Flyers are really rooting for him. They want him to make the team. They want him to be successful because they all like him so much. He's a really good kid. That's a wonderful sentiment. He'll need to make the team, of course, and uh, and be a contributor. But um, it's nice to know that He's going to have all of the opportunity to make the team. He's got a one-way contract, and there's a roster spot there that I think is available for him. Um, So provided that he can be effective enough with the speed of the game the way it is now, uh, then you might be able to uh, maybe pick him up. He is 46% Fantrax owned. That's pretty low ownership. Or if you've been holding on to him and holding on to him, and you're like humming and hawing, like, is he ever going to make the cut? It's basically now or never. Uh, another defenseman on the list, San Jose Sharks, Tim Heed. A uh, better offensive defenseman option here. 32% Fantrax owned, so a better ownership opportunity. He's a little bit older. Uh, I'm not sure of his age, but I'm pretty sure it's mid to late 20s. So don't think that you're going to have a long-term uh, player here. And I don't think there's a tremendous amount of offensive upside on this, this file. But uh, one-way contract and waiver exempt, so look for him to make the team. Um He's going to be buried behind Carlson and, and Barnes, but uh, or Burns, I should say. But, uh, you know, one of those guys will get injured at some point for sure. Uh, next player is a player that I happen to own, Sam Blaze. St. Louis Blues, 44% fan tracks owned, no longer waiver exempt, and had a pretty good showing in the playoffs for the Blues too. I think he has gone ahead and earned himself a roster spot. He played about, I believe it was half of the season with the Blues last year. Uh, but pretty strong when they when they caught fire at the end of the season. And last but not least, this is a player who I've been kind of down on on the podcast a couple times before. Tampa Bay Lightning's Adam Earn, 38% fan tracks owned. Um, they need players who are on affordable contracts, and, and his isn't too steep. And I might have been a little bit premature in considering him a bust and writing him off. And if you're in a league that has a little bit of uh, rotisserie point value as well, then there's some extra value on him too. His offensive upside is not going to be super high, but uh, you mix in a couple of hits and penalty minutes that he'll get, um, then that'll help. And uh, and that's the list. So there you have it. So there's a couple of players just to emphasize uh, what I'm talking about with... Um, waiver exemption status it's always something you want to keep in mind on some of your fringe prospects as you head into a new season i highly recommend you take a look at your roster figure out who's waiver exempt and who's not and then try and predict read the tea leaves how is that going to pan out into their opportunity to make the nhl team this year or not all right so a few weeks ago we had the world junior summer showcase happened i didn't really get an opportunity to watch that i've been busy on vacation and work and whatnot but basically what this is is it's an exhibition tournament for the world juniors of course number of nations compete uh there's a short number of games it's just like a rookie tournament basically for the world juniors um a lot of the players who were just drafted participated um 
it doesn't get a lot of media coverage. It's not broadcast very well, so it's a little bit difficult to find information on it. Uh, you can't find stats on it very easily. Uh, I believe Hockey Canada has uh, some stats for it, was where I found mine. Uh, but there was some interesting notes here uh, that I was able to pull through from doing a little bit of quick online research. Nolan Foot, Tampa Bay Lightning draft pick, managed to lead the tournament in scoring. Um, Three games, two goals, four assists, six points. Uh, drafted late in the first round by the Tampa Bay Lightning. A lot of people kind of didn't think that he should have gone in the first round, and a few people thought he should have been ranked higher. I was kind of more on the should have been ranked higher page. And the knock on him that, that brings him down on a lot of people's list is, is skating. And uh, the reports that I saw from World Junior Showcase, the scouting reports and comments, a lot of them said that his... Um, Skating wasn't as bad as, as some people thought. It's not great. It's, you know, it's it's average at best, but, you know, hey, average is, is, is all right. And as long as you're able to compensate it for it somehow in another way. And he does that with his hands. He's got some pretty great hands, as you can tell by his point totals, two points per game in this little mini exhibition tournament. Again, it's an exhibition tournament, of course, but these are players that are fighting to make the World Junior roster. So it matters to them, but, you know, it is being played in late July, so context uh so i like nolan foot um and uh, also russ cohen broke the the news on an article on elite prospects that he played most of the season with a pretty injured wrist so that's why some of his stats weren't uh as prolific as they maybe could have been in, or should have been in his draft year uh so a combination of not producing as much offense as people were thinking he had to do in order to be ranked as high as as i want him to be ranked and then uh, challenging foot speed then that's why he fell so low but uh, I think he's an underrated prospect and he's a player who I might look to target um, in my fantasy draft another player who went undrafted that really stood out is uh, Finnish forward Christian Tennis he had uh, f- one he only played one game he had four assists in it for Finland uh, I'm not sure what nation they played against it probably wasn't a powerhouse um probably someone like latvia or something like that um but and he's five foot eight and he's a little guy uh but yoki Nevalainen was pretty high on him he made his top ranked finnish players for the 2019 draft that he did not get drafted in so he is a unrestricted um not an unrestricted free agent but he's an undrafted free agent and he'll be going back into the 2020 draft so look for him to try and make Team Finland at the World Juniors. He'll be playing professional hockey in the Liga this year. And if he makes uh, an impression there and is able to play for Finland at the World Juniors, then he has a really, really strong chance of getting drafted in this upcoming draft, which is another deep draft. Uh, so just a player for you to, you can't pick him up in your fantasy probably, but keep an eye on, on him. And uh, Cole Caulfield was all over my Twitter highlight feed with the snipe that he had from this little tournament um 15th overall pick by the montreal canadians if you're in a fantasy draft don't hesitate to pick him way earlier than that um if i had the third overall pick i would i would look at it very hard uh, a couple other names that uh that i that i saw on the twitter feed that um you know people would say standouts in this game or standouts in that game and they were they were highly ranked in the overall scores as well uh, from Canada, Alexis Lafreniere, who's projected to be the first overall pick in this upcoming 2020 draft. Joe Valeno, who Detroit Red Wings prospect, he'll try to make their team this year. Uh, had a 
he's the overage first uh, exceptional status player to go into the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He had a breakout season last year, uh, made it to the Memorial Cup with St. John uh, the year before that. Um, pretty good profile there. I also own him in my fantasy league. Uh, Kirby Dodge was a, another standout for, for Canada as well. And uh, that's pretty much it for the World Junior Summer Showcase. It's an exhibition tournament, so let's not waste too much time on it. The uh, Halinka Gretzky tournament, as I mentioned, is going on right now. And uh, as I mentioned, J.D. Burke is over there live, so he'll be coming up in the first interview after the, the segment, which will be short. Uh, leading the tournament is a bunch of Canadians. Uh, Cole Perfetti has nine points already. He's playing um, from Saginaw for Canada. Uh, a player who's fast rising up the draft charts is Hendrix Laperriere from Chicoutimi in the in the queue. He's tied with the lead in scoring with nine points. Uh, there's a couple Finns on the board here at five points. That is Ronnie Hirvonen playing in Liga and Atu Rete. Um, I think he's got a brother playing for Finland as well. They both have five points, highly ranked uh, Finnish prospects. And uh, another player who I'm not too familiar with uh, on Canada has five points as well. Justin uh, Sardif playing for Vancouver Giants. Probably pronouncing all these names wrong, so I do apologize. But the Helink tournament is in Czech, and I can't tell when they're talking Czech or pronouncing Canadian players' names. It's it's really difficult. So anyway, uh, so that's who's standing out at the Helinka. Um I believe TSN is broadcasting the Canada games from there on one of their channels. If you're able to get that, fantastic, good for you. Uh, otherwise, you can try and find a live stream on hockey TV or something like that. And uh, they're played kind of earlier in the day because it's happening in Czech Republic. So that's it for uh, my quick recap on the World Junior Summer Showcase, the Ivan Holinka, and a little blurb on waivers. And uh, now let's get to some interviews. So the first up interview is from the draft is going to be with uh, Elite Prospects J.D. Burke. Uh, so let's go to that. All right, so the 2020 NHL entry draft just wrapped up. I'm here with uh, J.D. Burke, the new Elite Prospects uh, rinkside. That's right. Uh, Editor editor in chief. So so the way that I've Director broken it down when I'm doing the tweets and everything is editor in chief when it comes to to oh, EP ringside. But when I'm doing all my draft ranking specific stuff, we want to put that out there as the elite prospects ranking. So I I think that we settled on lead draft analyst for elite prospects. The more titles, the better, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it gets you on more podcasts if you can get your fingers in more pies. So that gets you on here, Dauber Prospects Radio. So thanks very much for joining me, dude. Anytime. Thanks so much for having me. So this is your first draft in that uh, multi-titled role. Yes. Uh, yes so right. you've done draft rankings before, of course, but this one with elite prospects has to be the one that had most eyes for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How'd, how'd you do? Uh, I, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I think I got through the, the vast majority of my list. Uh, in fact, the only player that I'm, I'm aware of that didn't land on that draft board today was Oleg Zaitsev, which proved itself to be uh, somewhat of a surprise. Uh, I, I thought that, uh, like, I had him ranked at 69th overall. I thought he would have made sense as a early third to mid-third round pick. But, I mean, ultimately it didn't shake out that way, uh, and, and he'll have to, to re-enter next year and see where the cards fall. I mean, it, it, just the reception was fantastic. You talk about a lot of eyes being on the work itself, and 
just the way that people embraced it and it wasn't met with derision or skepticism. It was uh, a new new perspective that people were all too eager to, to, to take in and I certainly appreciated that on my end and uh, it made the transition into the role a lot easier and a lot more fun too because I mean ultimately that's why everybody gets into this line of work, right? And with the added pressure of that, that role and, and the list going out there, it, it made, uh, like you said, a lot more eyes on it a lot more investment when you when you show up to cover the draft right so yeah very interesting process and and really looking forward to continuing this line of work next year with elite prospects and ep rinkside so i'm always uh mentioning elite prospects on the podcast because i personally use it and i don't use the other guy you guys are way more valuable to me in terms of uh, fantasy research uh, uh we were talking about this a little bit before the draft started today I, even though it's not specifically catered towards fantasy hockey there's a lot of information on your site that the other guys just don't give uh so i really like that um it's great to see your um your content expanding i really like that um so in terms of doing fantasy hockey research and looking into prospects some of the things i like are that you, you, you indicate where the player is playing next year um do you have any other tips on how people who are listening to this that are looking up fantasy hockey prospects um what else can they do to try and and gleam some little chestnuts of information away well myself and and mitch brown one of ep rinkside's most valued contributors we did a lot of tracking work as well this season and obviously the samples are limited because we only have so many man hours available to us but we tried to get samples of at least about 10 games for each draft eligible player that we had right around our our top 100 and you can glean some insight into that and find out which player's production is perhaps a bit inflated, who was getting a little bit unlucky. You can go a bit deeper than the basic box boxcar statistics. And I can tell you right now, without going into great detail, Peter will, uh, you know what, I'll get in a lot of trouble further up the food chain with elite prospects, but we've got plans for expansion into entirely uncharted waters when it comes to the level of depth and detail that we can provide on our statistical database when it comes to these these prospects and NHL entry draft players. And and I mean, if you, if you think that you like the elite prospects experience today, I can tell you that further down the road, you're gonna like it even more. We've got so many big plans for next year and I can't wait to unveil it to the public. Oh, well, that's exciting. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I just wish I could say more. <laughs> <clears throat> Maybe when I hit the stop on the record button, you can fill me in and then I'll tell it later. Um, so let's talk about some of the players uh, in this draft. Uh, the first round, obviously, Hughes and Kako, one and two. Those are guys that are fantasy relevant Oh yeah, right away. Um, who are some other players you think either have immediate fantasy impact or, the let's just say, uh, the more likelihood to step into the NHL right away? Well, I think once you get past the, the Jack Hughes and Capo Caco class of player, you're looking at the three players that went immediately after them that are most likely to have an impact uh, early on in their development. I don't think any of Kirby Doc, Bowen Byram, or Alex Turcott are going to step into the NHL next season. I know there's some divide uh, among the scouting community on, on Bowen Byram in particular. A lot of people out there think he can step into the NHL next season and uh, contribute to a second unit power play and, and down on the Colorado Avalanche defensive depth chart. But the way I see it, they're going to need at least one year to develop 
develop, and then they're going to hit the ground running as draft plus two players in the NHL. Beyond those three players, though, it really gets interesting. Moritz Sider, number six of the Detroit Red Wings. I'm very curious uh, where he plays next year because he could go anywhere. He could go to Grand Rapids. He could go to the OHL. Uh, the options are all laid out before him. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised. A lot of Germans end up going to the SHL. We could see something <laughs> yeah. like that as well as he continues his development. I, you know what? They're going to take a lot of heat for that pick, and certainly it was outside the expected pick range. But if he develops into a, a let's say, a middle pair defenseman, top four defenseman, it might not be all that big a reach in the end. But I don't think you're looking at immense fantasy upside there. Dylan Cousins, same story. I think he's probably two-plus years out. Philip Broberg wasn't a fan of that pick. I think that I like the physical tools, and if he can hit on his ceiling, he's going to have the biggest fantasy impact of perhaps any defenseman in this draft, not named Bowen Byram. It's just that he's got to iron out so many different parts of his game just to get to that point. Things like hockey sense, his ability to read and react under pressure. I thought that there were a lot of flaws in his game, and that's why he was dropping all the way to number 29 on the Elite Prospects final ranking. Once you get past those players, I think that you look at Trevor Zegers and Vasily Podkolzin as that third tier of fantasy-relevant prospects, particularly Vasily Podkolzin. I think that he, honestly, I think he could step into an NHL lineup as soon as next season and contribute in a bottom six role. I really do. He was just a bully playing against men in the VHL. You know he has a mature two-way game. The Canucks talked about it. The Russian scout talked about it. Very complete player. And when he was in the BHL for a sample of over 20 games, there wasn't a single goal scored against while he was on the ice. So that speaks to his ability to contribute in all three ends of the ice, something that will endear himself to coaching staffs for years and years down the road. Uh, So I think that once his two years in the KHL finish and he's out of his contract, the Canucks are going to be able to get him into their lineup, playing in a middle six role as a dominant offensive power forward. And I like his fantasy relevancy only two plus years out. And I think that when you get that high in the draft, that's about as high as you can hope for with these players. He's a player that I like as well. And as a an anti-Canucks fan, he's he's a player that I'm going to love to hate because he is that kind of player. Right? He's going to get under the skin of the other the other team and the other team's fans. He's one of the most competitive players in this draft class. And, and one of the gifts that I love to post after the Canucks took him was he double D on somebody. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, I, I thought I'd never see a double D on, but that was one of those moments where the light bulb went off and I was like, this is a player I like. I think that he has the potential to be Todd Bertuzzi in his prime. Maybe worse hands, better skater, slight difference, uh, slight difference there, but I think that he's capable of having that level of impact. Look, if he wasn't Russian, if he didn't have two years on his KHL contract, you take positional consideration out of the equation. You're talking about the fourth most talented player in this year's draft. I think that he's got immense fantasy upside, and if you have to park him in your system for a few years, you do it because it's going to be worth its weight in gold. I just talked to Bob McKenzie, and he uh, kind of echoed the same sentiment, and he used St. Louis and Washington from the 2010 draft, where they both took Kuznetsov and Tarasenko later than, than they should have been picked. They slid because of the Russian factor. And maybe other teams passed over them so that they could take some players that could have impacted them sooner than later, but maybe not as much. And now St. Louis and Washington have just won Stanley Cups. Seems to have worked out for them, eh? That's what we agree to. (laughs) So we're looking at the draft board for round one right now. Uh, One last question. Let's assume that people going into fantasy drafts 
use the NHL draft board for their pick list. And I think that's a very common practice for the people who don't watch prospects as much as you and I do. Right. So with that in mind, take a look at the board and pick out two players. One name that if you're in just a points-only keeper fantasy league, regardless of where they were picked in the first round, you want to move them up and how far would you move them? And then likewise the opposite. Who's a player that um, great NHL pick, but if it's a fantasy draft, you maybe move them down or even out of the first round. So Moritz Sider, we already talked about him. I don't think he's going to have a lot of fantasy upside. I think you're probably looking at somebody who ultimately is going to be a second-pair defenseman period in the NHL level, and I see him as more of a two-way guy than a pure offensive defenseman. So already there are a lot of red flags that go up if you're looking at fantasy relevancy. On the opposite end of that spectrum, goalies, again, I hate to use, keep leaning on this cliche, worth their weight in gold. I say that you move Spencer Knight up a few spots because he's the best goaltending prospect that we've had this side of uh, Andre Vasilevsky, who just won the Vezina Trophy, by the way. So I think that you park Spencer Knight for a few years. It's not going to be a long wait. You look at what happened with other American goaltenders, whether it's Jake Ottinger. Uh, you look at what is happening with Joseph Wall. I think that the NHL is starting to learn that you don't have to develop goaltenders for anywhere near as long as we once thought, and I think that that's going to be something that will create a market inefficiency where you can exploit Spencer Knight's availability earlier in the draft than where he was taken at 13 by the Panthers. Right on. JD, thanks for your time, man. No really worries. appreciate you uh, giving me a minute to go on the podcast, and uh, if you are not going on elite prospects on a regular basis in your fantasy pool you're probably not winning so make sure you go to elite prospects and uh, check out their subscribe to their uh, premium package the articles are totally worth it you have a great writing staff congratulations on the position thanks again thanks so much for having me right on bell all right so that was my interview with uh jd burke from elite prospects and uh, it was interesting he was teasing about some of the stuff that's coming up uh, on Elite Prospects because that'll be coming out really soon as the season is uh, about a month away. Uh, we'll be playing uh, regular season games in a lot of leagues. Uh, so that's something to look forward to on Elite Prospects. Uh, thanks for talking to me, uh, JD. And now we're going to move on and we're going to join uh, Mike Gagello and have a little Toronto Maple Leafs prospect hockey talk. Uh, so this is my conversation uh, from the draft with Mike Agello. All right. It's the end of the the draft, pretty much. One pick left to go, and I'm catching up with uh, Mike Agello. Talk a little Maple Leafs prospects. Mike, thanks for giving me a minute. No problem. How's it going? Not so bad. Not so bad. So let's talk a little bit about some of the prospects the Leafs already have in the system, as opposed to some of the guys they drafted today because they didn't have a first-round pick. Uh, So they got some... uh, some good young defensemen. We were talking about them a little bit earlier. Uh, Rasmus Sandin, obviously, and Timothy Liljegren are two at the top of the list. I think Leaf fans are pretty familiar with them. Um, do we think any of those guys can uh, see some NHL time this year, or do they need maybe a little bit more seasoning? It all depends on what Kyle Dubas does in the offseason in terms of adding veteran players. If you know Ron Hainsey and Jake Gardner are UFAs, if they leave and they don't replace them, then I think... You could see Liljegren as a right-hand shot, which the Leaf organization is pretty short of, uh, have a legitimate chance to uh, play for the club if he has a good training camp. Uh, I personally think that he, he could uh, come in after training camp or even maybe after so the halfway point of the year. I think the organization though does want Sandin to stay and play another year in the American Hockey League. He played really well last year, got hurt after the World uh, Junior 
but played great in the playoffs. He was their best defenseman in the in the Calder Cup playoffs. I think they think more highly of him than Liljegren, but I think they are scared of rushing a 19-year-old, so I think they're going to be patient and maybe bring him up in, in 2020. They got a couple other uh, good young players on the blue line that I'm I'm really interested in, in following. Uh, Mac Hollowell is coming from the OHL, uh, prolific offensive defenseman, and then they signed a college uh, free agent, Joseph Duzak. Yeah. Uh, you got a chance to watch both these guys play the end of the season with Toronto and uh, in the playoffs too, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they look? Well, Hollowell partnered mostly with his junior defensive partner, Sandin, and didn't look out of place in the Calder Cup playoffs. He got a lot more playing time than I thought he was going to. Uh, Callie Rosen went down and he stepped into the lineup. I, I think that the, the question with, with Hollowell and also Duzik, who's they're both not very big defensemen. And I, this seems to be a trend. And, you know, we're here at the draft today, and the Leafs have made five selections, and every one of the five picks is under six foot. Everyone except for the defenseman, Nico Kokinen, is uh, a small, skilled, speedy type of player. Uh, it seems to be the, the penchant of Kyle Dubas to go toward those type of players. And I think Hollowell is that type of player, and Dusek to a lesser extent is that type of player. I think they're going to get opportunities to play a lot in the American Hockey League next year. And based on where Dubas is drafting and what types of players he likes, if they succeed at the AHL level, then they're going to get an opportunity in the NHL. But I don't think it's going to be next year. I think it's going to take a little time. Right. I think if you're looking at these guys as fantasy relevant, I believe that they very much are. But uh, the last two guys, they're a few years away. And then the first few guys are this year, maybe next year. Probably next year. Uh, In goal, uh, they're going to have a little bit of turnover in goal. I think Joseph Wall is coming up. And Ian Scott, I believe, is also aged out of junior. So the crease is going to look a lot different. These are two really highly rated prospects. Do you think one of them has to... uh, Maybe take some time in the ECHL yeah. first. I mean, as you know, usually the number one goaltender in terms of a prospect is the starter in the American Hockey League, and the number two is yeah, is the number two is the uh, is the starter with uh, in the ECHL in Newfoundland. I think that's it. May be a situation where they flip flop them depending on how they're playing, but I think Wall is probably going to be the starter with the Marlies along with Casimir Kaskasuo, who played really well in the Calder Cup playoffs for them, and and Scott, who's who's a Younger of younger of the two goaltenders would probably start in Newfoundland. Uh, I do also think that there's no room in, this, in the organization for Garrett Sparks. Yeah, there's been talk about them trading Garrett Sparks. Yeah, uh, if they don't, and he doesn't make uh, the Leafs at training camp, and they have to send him down to the to the Marlies. I, I think you would take away from Wall and take away from Scott's playing time. So yeah, they both I, have to play. Yeah, so I think I think I think Sparks, if he doesn't make the team, and I think they're going to go out and look for a veteran backup that they trust more. That Sparks would it would be counterproductive to have him in the American Hockey League. So I think he's going to end up getting traded because they need Wall and Scott to play. Another player we talked about a year ago in the same situation, uh, Jeremy Bracco. I think his game's come a long way. Uh, I think he's a suitable potential replacement for a guy like Andres Johnson if free agency doesn't work out with Toronto and they can't find a way to get him under contract. I think Bracco's a player that could step in and uh, and fill that speedy puck distributing role. Um, do you see anything in his game that makes you think uh, this might not be the chance bearing roster blockers? Like if all the Toronto forwards come back, there isn't really room for him in the top six. Even with the move of Marlowe, I still think it's pretty crowded up front. Um, what, do you, what do you think of Jeremy Bracco's immediate fantasy upside? I mean, I think Bracco is an NHLer. 
I still think he has to round out certain aspects of his game. Defensively, there's still some concerns. I think offensively, he's a plus player. Um, power play, he's a he's a demon. He's got great passing ability. Uh, he's a pretty good shooter too. Uh, but defensively, five on five are the concerns about Brock. I mean, he was second in the American Hockey League in scoring. I don't know how much more he has to prove, but I think they want him to be more well-rounded. Now, in that case, I don't know whether, you know, we've heard rumors today about um, Kapanen signing an extension or being close to an extension. Andreas Janssen almost uh, ready to sign a four-year deal. That would likely mean that the only way that Brocko makes the lease is if they trade William Nylander or or there's a holdout or impasse with, with Mitch Marner. I, I personally think Rocco should be in the NHL, but it, it could take him with the Leafs at least another half a season or season. Is there anyone else on the Marlies that we've uh, that we've not talked about that you think has a chance to move up to the NHL and have uh, some fantasy impact this year? Or even if you got to sit on him for a few more years, this is a guy you need to know. I'm not sure how big of a scorer he's going to be, but I believe Mason Marchman is going to make the Leafs as a fourth-line winger. Yeah, I really do. Um, I mean, they, they like him in the organization and that aspect of a big player who, uh, who's a disturber and he's is a brutal skating a lot. He's, he's, he's a brutal shot a lot. I think, yeah, you know, the only problem is he's had some injury issues the last couple of years, but I think he's going to get a, a shot. Uh, at a fourth-line role. I also think Pierre Engvall has a chance. Pierre Engvall is a bigger, or just as big, but more talented, uh, rangy Freddy Gauthier. He has more offensive ability, scored 19 goals with the Marlies last year. He converted from left wing to center. They liked the way he played center. He played it, played it in the Calder Cup playoffs. Um, it, maybe they wait a little while, but I don't. Uh, Freddie Goche doesn't really provide anything to the Leafs other than a, a, a big body that doesn't use it, doesn't use his size. And Engvall, actually, who's not a, a, an aggressive player, he does use his size effectively. He's got a big, big, long reach. He's good on the penalty kill. I think he's got an opportunity to make the Leafs out of training camp. Mason Marchman's story is a fun one. I mean, he's an undrafted player that got uh, an invitation to a rookie camp or something like that. Got an AHL contract, played his way into uh, to an NHL contract. So I like I like to root for the underdog, and uh, that's certainly what he is. Uh, let's talk one last player, import player. And I think it's Mikhail, um, the Russian. Oh, oh Ilya Mikhail. Ilya Mikhail. Thank you. Uh, signed as a free agent. I'm, I'm imagining you haven't had a chance to see too much of him play live. What are you reading or hearing about him? Well. Mike Babcock at the end of the season press conference says we have big players coming and then the, the, in the preceding weeks they re, they signed their second round pick from 2016 Igor Korshkov and they signed Mikhaev as, a, as an unrestricted or a, an entry level deal out of the KHL. Um, I, I think Mikhaev is going to be given every opportunity to make the Leafs. Now the thing is he's a he played right wing in the KHL but he's a left hand shot so he might be able to move over to the left side. And that, you know, possibly you know, as a replacement for Marlowe, but maybe maybe lower down, maybe third line. But I think that they're going to give him an opportunity to, a full opportunity to, to make the Leafs out of training camp. Because I believe he only has a one-year contract, and it could end up being a situation like uh, Igor Ozaganov, where they give him an opportunity, and if he doesn't like uh, the NHL, or if he doesn't fit in the NHL, he goes back to Russia. I think they want to give this guy an opportunity. He's a big body. He showed some scoring ability in the KHL, and I think they need their left side, especially Zach Hyman, out the first couple months after ACL and uh, ACL surgery. They're gonna have there's gonna be opportunities on the left side, and he may be able to take advantage of it. 
Thanks for your time, Mike. Where can everyone uh, catch your stuff? You're on Twitter, Mike in Buffalo. Correct. And my uh, blog is daily. I better write daily at hockeybuzz.com. Right on, man. Thanks a lot for your time. My pleasure. All right, so that was my conversation about Leafs prospects with Mike Gigello. And as I mentioned at the beginning, they didn't have a first-round pick, so not a lot of fantasy-relevant conversation to have at the draft uh, with the players that they picked. But I found it really interesting picking Mike's brain about where he thinks some of the Leafs prospects are. Um, and that's I think Sandin has the better long-term upside, but he thinks Lidgerwin could be a little bit more NHL-ready now. Uh, I think he kind of agreed with that. Uh, the Wall-Scott goaltending competition uh will be interesting one to watch and see how the Leafs do that and of all the moves the Leafs made this summer not too many of them really affect some of the prospects that we talked about um I think it's interesting to see what happens with the the big Russians Karshkov and Mikhaev that he talks about near the end and I also thought it was really interesting that he predicts that Mason Marchment will be on the Leafs fourth line this year I'm not sure that I agree with that but I have been wrong often and this could be another situation of that so mason marchman might be a player you want to put on your fantasy radar if you're in deep deep leagues uh and leagues that have a little bit of peripheral value as well because his offensive contributions will be limited but if he plays center he might win you some draws and uh he'll get you some some hits as well not that many but but some uh, so that was interesting. Thanks, Mike from Buffalo, for talking Leafs prospects with me. And now let's move on and do a little Philadelphia Flyers chat. Uh, they have some pretty fascinating prospects. Uh, so let's talk to Anthony Mignoni. All right. Back at the draft, talking to Philadelphia Flyers uh, writer Anthony Mignoni. Say that right again. Oh, it's Mignoni. Mignoni. There you go. There you go. Uh, okay, where do you write for, Anthony? A lot of Center Ice Philly Magazine, Philadelphia. And how can we follow you on Twitter? Uh, at my handle, at Anthony Mignoni, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-M-I-N-G-I-O-N-I. Right on, right on. So thanks for giving me a couple minutes of time here, man. Okay. Round two is about to start popping, so mm-hmm. I'll try to keep this quick. Okay. Uh, talking Philadelphia Flyers prospects, this is a fantasy Mm-hmm. Uh, pos- prospect podcast. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some guys who are coming up. We got a couple of guys turning pro, mm-hmm. coming from junior, coming from the AHL, um, or sorry, coming from NCAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are some of the the more prominent players that are, are graduating to the pro ranks for Philadelphia? Well, we have obviously uh, one of the most well-regarded ones is, of course, Morgan Frost. He's going to be coming in uh, likely into camp this year. Um, like, well. While projections seem to be that he's likely to be for the Philadelphia Phantoms, as of right now, the way the Flyers' roster is set up, there's probably an open spot in the bottom six, probably on the third line, uh, in a third line or fourth line role. Um, you also have uh, Joel Farabee, obviously from Boston University as well, who the Flyers drafted last year. Farabee had obviously a very successful season at Boston University. Um, it's a lot of excitement about him and his two-way play, and he's another possibility if the Flyers don't add anybody further in the, into that particular line role. Uh, beyond that, um, certainly Phil Myers this year obviously graduated to come up. Uh, he was with the fans majority of last year. Uh, he had a decent amount of time, obviously, with the Flyers last year. They're intending to certainly use him more this year and give him more of a prominent role on their blue line, um, at least in third pair. But there's a possibility with his offensive bend to his game that he may have some opportunities uh, here and there in terms of special teams. And if he continues to move on during the year, it may be uh, a good opportunity for, for him as a, as a low-end pick. Yeah, the Flyers are a great team to talk about for prospects on, on the rise because they got some good ones. 
Um, although with the change in management, we've seen a couple of trades here mm-hmm. now uh, under Fletcher, and they've added three roster players with only subtracting one. So that'll be a little bit detrimental. Uh, do you think that'll really hurt some players' chances, or uh, the, the cream always rises to the top? I think it's a bit of that, again, with the two players that the Flyers acquired on, especially on defense, and Matt Niskanen and, and, and Justin Braun. They are going. They are pretty much, un, unless they have injuries. injuries injuries or really just a disaster, turn of play um, they're likely cemented in right now um, again the player that I mentioned before Phil Myers is the one that probably stands you know he, he gets knocked down a little bit but again he's he was primarily looking for a roster spot last year he was in and out constantly on the Lehigh Valley Philadelphia shuttle but I think they are very high on him and, yeah. and rightfully so so I think if he really stands out I think there's a chance he could get some opportunities this year as he continue, as the year goes on maybe not the very beginning but certainly as the year goes on. So there's still a lot of time before <clears throat> puck drops in October, mm-hmm. uh, so they could still move some more players. We're yes. hearing a lot of a lot of ghost rumors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, one player in their system that uh, some has a bit of a high profile and has been stuck in the NHL for a while is Samuel Morin. If I'm a Samuel Morin fantasy owner in a, a roto league, of course he's never going to light the lamp very much, but he's a guy that's going to give you a lot of hits and pims. Uh, does he still have a shot at making the Flyers, or is, a, has he been leapfrogged by too many other kids? I think there's he's kind of in that limbo right now with some of the pro, especially with some of the prospects. A guy like in like Phil Myers in this case has leapfrogged him in the, it, it, for a, for a regular ice time. Yeah, the injuries haven't helped. Obviously, I think right. you know in terms of as of right now, the Flyers have eight defensemen on their roster, and if you had to peg the order for it right now, the two guys that are on the outside are right now would be Robert Haig. And Sam Moran and eight Moran's probably the number eight in this circumstance because he got a regular ship last year. So change of scenery might be what change the of scenery possibly. Again, I think they, they again he's on a three year deal, but again in many ways that deal makes him more eminently tradable uh, in this circumstance. I think, and that's something that what the return will be, I'm not sure, but I think he in all likelihood the way things are shaking out. Change of scenery at some point may be more likely than him getting a regular shot with the Flyers. All right, talking Flyers, we've got to talk about Carter Hart. I mean, he's the savior of the franchise at this point. He had a fantastic rookie season. He comes with uh, a tremendous pedigree. Um, but we often see goalies take a step back in their second year. Um, so, so much of the Flyers season depends on, on Carter Hart. You've got to see him play quite a bit now. Uh, how sold are you on Carter Hart? I'm sold on him. I mean, in ter- he's got, ever since developmental camp in his first year, he has a mental game I have never seen in terms of he's got a mind like a steel trap. Um, he doesn't let things affect him majorly. I mean, he had, he had, he had some moments where, you know, you, you saw some of the rookie mistakes, but a lot of that may have been like a minor technique thing that he could quickly correct. It wasn't a case where he he ever really got down on on himself. The injury, obviously, last year, obviously, kind of took some of the starch out of what was potentially a colder. Uh, his early run, it was almost a colder level campaign, and then obviously with the injury, it fell off. But I do think it's going to be very important to have a good, solid veteran goaltender behind him. Um, I mean, they made the trade obviously for Cam Talbot, but Talbot's a free agent. He's probably looking for potential for a starting job. He might be back. He would be a good mentor, but. You know, you have to guard against 
you know, the possibility of a so- of a sophomore slump, you know, especially with a goaltender as young as he is. That's the yeah. thing. I mean, usually, you know, we see a Bennington who comes up at 24, 25, and they've gone through the trials and tribulations. He literally, because of all the injuries that Philadelphia had to their goaltending last year, they set it, you know, a record for number of starting goal number of goalies that started. Uh, you do have to kind of guard against that going into this season. But he's so good. It's hard he to is. resist the temptation to just keep throwing him back out there, No, he's right? good. No, and they're going to. He's, he, no, he, is, he is their starter, but yeah. they do need to make sure to have a, a good insulate. So once we get probably around July 1st or so, I think at that point they're going to see how things shake out with the goaltending situation. Keep an eye, obviously, on Carolina. If they decide to move on again from the Flyers, had Elliott last year. Again, injuries always with Brian Elliott is a concern. But I think... They could, if one of the Carolina goaltenders shakes, not Peter Morazic, because not good history, obviously, for, with with, his, with a short time in Philadelphia. But if Curtis McElhinney's there, that's possible guy. Yeah, Talbot against another one. Elliot, maybe they try again. But again, I, I I'm pretty in terms of I'm pretty confident in Carter Hart's abilities and his mental game that he's going to be a starter for the team. Right, one more prospect. I'm curious to get your thoughts mm-hmm. on his career path. Has been uh, a lot of different leagues. Uh, Europe, Russia, CHL, AHL, got some NHL time in now, German Rubstoff. Does he have a chance to play on the roster on a regular basis this I season? He, What's his fantasy upside? I would say right now you're looking at probably AHL level. He needs he lost the, he got injured last year and lost the remainder of the season when he was when he was playing. He really looked like he was coming along really well. Um, so I think the likelihood of seeing him on an NHL roster, unless there's a lot of injuries right now, I think he needs time, obviously, in the AHL before that. Uh, before I would say you would, you would anticipate him being on an NHL roster. All right. And uh, who, I can't remember off the top of my head who the Flyers picked last night in round one. Last night they selected Cam York with the 14th overall pick after they traded back from number 11 and picked up a second rounder today. Which so another so high end high end defenseman in the system. And there was some criticism, obviously, because for Philadelphia because of the fact that Cole Caulfield was there and Caulfield was taking a pick after. He was, I think, the darling of a lot of Flyer fans because they look in, at the Flyers system and say, "Who's that goal scorer that's in system?" And they don't have a cut and dry yeah. person in that respect. But I have nothing. I think the pick of, of York is, was right around when I did my own rankings. I had him around 15, 16. Yeah. So he yeah. got taken right where he was at. Yeah. They picked the extra second round pick today. So, But York, you know, everything in terms of reviews that I've seen on him and what I have seen him when he's playing with the national team, um, he's a high end young defenseman. Chuck Fletcher, we told us yesterday that when he gets to the NHL level, he could very easily see him quarterbacking an NHL power play. So um, I would say, again, York is, is, is going to be a fascinating player to watch. He's going to be he's a University of Michigan commit, so obviously we'll be keeping tabs on him while he's over at, at Michigan uh, this year. Probably looking at about two, you know, a couple years away, at least two, three years away, obviously. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some wait time on There's that, definitely wait time. He's got, and, and he's got to grow. He does have to grow. He, he indicated yesterday, he says he patterns his game after Morgan Riley. Um, That's solid. And some of the physical aspects, obviously, are a little bit different. Mount Riley, bigger, bigger, stronger player. But I think... The cerebral part of his game, if you watch him playing with the national team, that's where you definitely see the comparison with him and Riley. I think he's got the, you know, his, his anticipation. He's not going to, he doesn't kind of bowl you over, but he he knows how to cut down angles and he knows how to turn a play up ice very quickly. Right on, Anthony. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you talking Flyers prospects with me. Let's go watch the draft. Appreciate it, Peter. Thank you. All right. So that was my chit chat. With Anthony Mingioni, uh talking Flyers prospects and some just final wrap-up thoughts on on that conversation. 
It's interesting that we talked about uh, Morin at the beginning of the podcast, and then I had a conversation with Anthony about him, and Anthony was saying that he's kind of been uh, surpassed a little bit on the depth chart. Uh, another player that we talked about was uh, Joel Farabee, and he's another player that uh, almost made my list for the World Junior Summer Showcase. He had some pretty impressive numbers uh, coming out of college. He's turning pro. Uh, I think Anthony's right. He might see some time in the AHL, but he won't be long for the NHL. Uh, He is a uh, very talented offensive winger. So uh, if you drafted him last year in your fantasy league thinking you had to sit on him for a long time while he played his way through his college career, um, you're going to be pleasantly surprised when he's playing for the Flyers later on this season or or next year. Uh, So the next and final interview... Uh, that I had recorded live from Vancouver in the NHL draft uh, will be with Derek Numerer, and we are talking about the Dallas Stars prospects. So let's cut to my interview, talking Big D with Derek. Back at the draft. It's uh, in between rounds one and two. I'm joined by Derek Neumeyer of SB Nation. He is their Dallas Stars prospect expert. So, Derek, thanks for hanging out with me for a sec, man. Thanks for having me, Peter. Right on, right on. So, we're talking Stars prospects. Uh, I'm pretty familiar with one of them. I watched him play a ton with the Kingston Frontenacs, and that's Jason Robertson. So, we're starting right there. Uh, I've been very... Uh, vocal about my thoughts on his game. I'm really curious to hear what uh, what you think about him. I'm a huge Robertson fan. Uh, even going back to the year he was drafted, I was pretty happy when the Stars managed to grab him in the second round. I thought he was a guy who, who could have gone as high as the first. Uh, I get why he didn't. There were some concerns with his skating, but he's really put in a lot of work in the two years since then. He's improved his dieting and his conditioning, and he's become a lot more mobile. I mean, he's never going to be Connor McDavid out there, but he's got the size, he's got the hands. He sticks his butt out working a cycle like Yager used to to protect the puck. And now that he's got a little bit more mobility, he's become a, a much more well-rounded uh, offensive threat. And you can see that in the numbers he put up last season. Uh, he still probably needs some time in the AHL before he's ready to take a big step in the NHL. But I think he's got a lot of long-term potential. I kind of have to agree with that assessment. Nice. We're on the same page there. All right. So uh, I think Robertson is one of their top prospects. Uh, he's a winger. Uh, what do they got coming up down the middle? Well, they got Ty Delandria. He was their first round pick last year. A little bit of a surprise pick, but the Stars really liked him, and apparently a few other teams did as well. Just a real heart and soul player. Models his game after Jonathan Taze, and you can see where there's a lot of similarities to the two of them. He's been, he's been hidden a little bit, playing on a really bad Flint Firebirds team, but he's got a lot of potential. He works really hard. He's skilled. He's smart. Great attitude. He got called up to the AHL at the end of last season when Flint got eliminated from the playoffs. Played, I think, 10 games for the Texas Stars and had a a nice impact. Scored a really nice highlight reel goal at one point. Did not look out of place at all. So he's a guy with a lot of of upside going down the middle. Maybe not bona fide first line center, quite like Jonathan Taze is, but he's going to be a guy who plays a lot. So those are two players that are graduating to the pro ranks, and they're both going to need some time. Who else do they have in their system that's that's going pro this year? Is there anyone off the top of your head? That's going pro this year? Uh, I'm trying to recall. Oh, Jake Ottinger. Uh, that's a big one. He started pro a little bit last season when Boston University got eliminated out of the NCAA. He has a chance to steal the number one starting job with the Stars. He's big. He's athletic. I mean, you don't see goalies go in the first round very often, but the Stars liked Ottinger enough in 2017 to take him high. 
He's, he's got a lot of tools, pretty much everything you want out of a goalie. And he's going to play a lot this year in the AHL. They think he's going to be the successor to Ben Bishop. And I think he's got a pretty good shot at making that. Right on. All right, let's talk about some other players that might already be in the AHL and have a couple of years uh, of percolation under their belt. Last year, uh, I guess it's two years ago now, they made it all the way to the finals, but they had a pretty veteran-laden roster. They didn't have, they weren't the Charlotte Checkers. They didn't have a bunch of legit NHL prospects on that roster. Where are they now? Who's some of their top uh, ready-to-graduate players? They, they did fill uh, in the gap a little bit with some veteran talent because they didn't have a lot of guys coming up that were young. But now I think you're going to see that changing a lot. We talked about Robertson. He's pro now. We talked about Ottinger. Uh, Denis Garyanov had a really good season last year in the AHL. Got 21 games with Dallas. He's probably graduating to the NHL because I think he's too good for the AHL right now. Uh, Nick Camano is a guy out of the OHL who the Stars really like. He's a good two-way forward. He's going to be a really good checking line guy. He's got a lot of upside. Uh, there's a few defensemen that they got. Uh, actually, through just signing them as free agents with uh, Gavin Bayreuther and Ben Gleason. Gleason was the guy they had at, uh, at the Traverse City Tournament. He really impressed them. They brought him along to like the proper training camp for the whole team. Impressed them there. They signed him to a contract. And uh, he's been a really good res- revelation for them. He's a guy that probably should have been drafted in hindsight, but... You know, the Stars did their due diligence on him. They even called him up for a couple of games uh, at one point in the season last year when the Stars were hurting for injuries, and he, he really left a good impression. So he's a guy they like a lot. Is there any other players that they have in their system coming up that we haven't talked about that should be on players' fantasy radar? Uh, Alvin Erickson is a guy that I'm a really big fan of. He hasn't gotten a lot of exposure. He hasn't played a ton for Sweden internationally, but he's a big guy. He, he models his game after Patrick Laine. He's not quite the same shooter, but he can really shoot a puck. He's a big, powerful winger. The Stars loved him last year. They had him, I think, in, as a first-rounder on their board. They got him in the second round. And he took really big strides this year in, uh, in the SHL with Skleftia. Uh, he's probably going to play a lot this season, probably going to make the Swedish World Junior team, and I think he's going to really open a lot of eyes. Not a lot of people know about him yet because he hasn't had a lot of exposure, but he's a guy with huge, huge talent and a, a lot of upside. That is exactly the kind of juice where <laughs> the people that listen to this podcast are trying to get. Thanks so much for that, Derek. What's your uh, Twitter handle and, and where you're writing, where if people want to get more of your good stuff, where can they find you, man? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Derek underscore N underscore NHL. Uh, I do the prospect coverage for Defending Big D, which is a Dallas Stars site as part of uh, the SB Nation uh, network. Uh, I also scout in uh, Calgary, Alberta for uh, future considerations. And I do a lot of other stuff in and around the province as well. So, yeah, best place to find me is on Twitter. Uh, If you're looking for not just Stars coverage, but a lot of uh, other thoughts and opinions and notes about prospects out in Western Canada, I do a lot of that too. Right on, bud. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks again, Derek, for giving me a moment to talk about some Dallas Stars prospects. Uh, Not quite as deep, perhaps, as the Philadelphia Flyers, but they got some interesting players there. I can't seem to escape talking about Jason Robertson on this podcast, so I'm sure you're all sick of hearing about him, so I won't touch on that very much. Uh, I am a big fan of Jake Ottinger, and I think that Derek's right. He is going to get a lot of playing time in the AHL with the Texas Stars this season, and that he could very well be the long-term answer for what happens after Ben Bishop. Uh, Alvin Erickson is a player that, uh, I was really happy to hear him bring up, uh, very under the radar type player. 
Uh, he may possibly be available in your fantasy league as a result of that, and uh, hopefully that pays off for you. Um, and that's why you listen to this podcast, to find little juicy nuggets like that. That's it for this episode, episode 60. Thanks very much for tuning in. Please don't uh, forget to like the show, um, retweet it on Twitter, share it, tell all your friends, give us a five-star review, all that fun stuff. And uh, see you on the next show. Good luck with your fantasy drafts. If you have anything that you want to hear on the next episode of Dauber Prospects, give me a shout on Twitter at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G, or at DPR underscore show. And we'll see if I can get it on the next podcast. All right. Cheers.